This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living Magazine. And if you've ever watched a holiday film on the Hallmark Channel, you've almost certainly seen my guest today, who's known as the Queen of Hallmark Christmas Movies. Lacey Chabert was born in the small town of Purvis, Mississippi, and started acting at a very young age, playing Claudia Salinger on the long-running hit show Party of Five. In 2004, she landed the breakout role of Gretchen Wieners in Mean Girls, which is now considered a cult classic. But for more than a decade now, her starring roles have increasingly been on the Hallmark Channel, where she just wrapped up her 33rd film. Today on the show, Lacey talks about the holiday traditions from her childhood, her father's Cajun cooking, the cornbread dressing recipe that brings her back to her grandmother's kitchen, and how she takes Elf on the Shelf to a whole other level. Plus, Lacey shares her favorite Christmas albums and talks about her latest film, a comedy called Haul Out the Holly. All that and more this week on Biscuits and Jam. Well, Lacey Chabert, welcome to Biscuits and Jam. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So I want to start out by asking you about your last name, which is so cool. (laughs) What's the story behind that? (laughs) That is from my daddy, and he is Cajun French. He's from Louisiana, grew up in the bayou. And I was born in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. He met my mom in Mississippi. They met in high school. He was the quarterback, and my mom was the high school cheerleader. And also the yearbook (laughs) photographer. So we have all of these amazing pictures of my dad running on the field, you know, from my mom's perspective. They got married right out of high school, had my sister Wendy, and the rest is history. Now, did the yearbook photographer job have something to do with them meeting or connecting? It did. I think she probably got in trouble for having only pictures of Tony on the field (laughs) because that was her crush. (laughs) It's actually funny that you ask because I don't talk about this often, but I love their story that they met in high school, fell in love so young. She's the cheerleader. He's the quarterback and and the small town in Purvis, Mississippi, where I'm so proud to be from. You know, they are still happily married, have been through a lot as people do go through, you know, but happily married and such, such a good example for us as their kids. Well, I love that. It almost sounds like something out of, out of one of your movies. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. And you know what? One of my dreams is to go back and film a movie in Purvis at some point in time. So I don't know if it'll ever happen, but it's something that I've always put out there and I hope to one day make happen. Well, so tell me a little bit about Purvis and the house that you grew up in. So we lived in a house that my parents built on a property that was shared by my grandparents. So we lived just up a gravel driveway from my grandparents' house And I just remember my mom early in the morning would open the door and we'd go out and play. And my two sisters and brother and I would play in the woods. We'd build forts. 
we do the slip and slide, that classic yellow slip and slide. If you didn't turn the water hose on it, it hurt. <laughs> you oh, know? yeah. I had one and, of those. Right? And we had a trampoline that we all flew off of and broke bones and got hurt on, of course, and a swing set. And I mean, we would just play all day until my mom would call us in to eat or we'd get hungry and just so many good memories of being with my siblings and especially in those summer times. Yeah. So do you ever get back to Purvis? I do. Yes. I haven't been back in a couple of years now, but before the pandemic, when we were traveling much more, we would go as often as possible. And I'd really, really enjoyed visiting my grandmother there. She passed about three years ago. And of mm. course, it's never quite felt the same without her presence there. But, you know, when people ask me where I'm from, I moved away when I was seven. We lived in New York City. We moved to California. So I really did most of my growing up in Los Angeles. But when people ask me where I'm from, I feel like Purvis, the South, being from Mississippi is everything, you know, and it really is where my roots are. And it's the biggest part of who I am and always will be. So tell me a little more about your grandmother. I mean, you've said that y'all were very close. What were some of your favorite memories of her and what was she like? Well, her name was Sue, and she was the church secretary. We called her Nanny, and she was just the best. She was my biggest cheerleader always. She would be honest with you, and she put you in your place if you needed to be put there. <laughs> but she was loving, and she loved God, and she taught me so much about having faith and what that really meant in a real everyday way. And we always knew that she adored us, and I just, man, I miss her so much. You know, I have the best memories of cooking in the kitchen with her. All of my memories of cooking revolve around being at my grandparents' house and even my great-grandmother passing down recipes and then my nanny Sue and then cooking with my mom. And now it's something that I do with my daughter. And it's such a beautiful circle of life moment for me. You mentioned the church. I mean, was church a part of your life as a kid? Yeah, it was a big part of my life. And my mom was the pianist. So we would be there every Sunday morning, second pew, piano side. And it really was the foundation of the faith that I have in Jesus now. So, Lacey, I have to imagine that some of your love for the holidays started when you were a kid. What did the holidays look like at the Chabert house? My mom knew how to go big for the holidays. We grew up with very little, and my mom made it seem like we had the best Christmas. And that was because of the spirit behind it. You know, it didn't matter how many presents there were, anything like that. It was just the festivities, the traditions. It was totally magical. I mean, I remember going to sleep every Christmas Eve with my siblings. We'd all sleep in the same room because we were so excited about Santa coming. And we weren't allowed to get up too early because mom and dad were tired, <laughs> which I understand as a parent now. So we'd get up and go knock on mom and dad's door and be like, go back to sleep. And we'd try to go back to sleep for another few minutes. Of course, we never slept anymore. And then finally, they'd be like, okay, let's go. And no one was allowed to go around that corner and peek at the tree until we were all together as a family. And just that feeling of walking down the hallway and seeing the tree lit up and everybody had their little pile of presents. And it was just magical. And one year when I was five years old, I had never seen snow before because obviously it doesn't snow a lot in Mississippi. And on Christmas morning, we woke up, everything just covered in this beautiful white, fresh snow. And we played in the snow and just so magical. But we are holiday loving people. We always do it big. We cook the same thing every Christmas morning, sausage balls and hot chocolate and pigs in a blanket and all the Southern classics. And it's just something that I've now passed on to my daughter and 
you know, traditions that we celebrated as a kid, it brings back all of those memories when you do that as an adult. So it's no wonder that my career path has led me here because I truly love Christmas. Like I'm ready to start decorating my house October 1st. (laughs) Sid, sometimes I even do it sooner. Don't tell anybody. (laughs) I think you have a lot in common with a lot of our readers. (laughs) They start early. why I love your magazine, love your readers. (laughs) I love y'all's Instagram because it's all so relatable and reminds me so much of my life growing up in the South. So Lacey, we have a story actually in our December issue about a cornbread dressing recipe that's been in your family for a long time. Talk to me about that recipe and what it means to you. Making that recipe, the smell of it cooking in the oven brings me back to being in my grandmother's kitchen. And that is just the best feeling, some of my best memories. I love that about a recipe, that it not only is delicious and, you know, the taste of the food can bring you back, but it really brings up memories and it's just a special experience. And I love this dressing so much. It's not the easiest thing to make. I mean, anyone can do it. It's just it's a longer recipe that you have to follow, but it is so worth it. And I think back in the day, my great-grandmother even made the cornbread itself from scratch. So I I don't go that extreme. (laughs) I use a box for that. But it's delicious. It's so good with the Thanksgiving or Christmas meal, and then you can freeze it. It's delicious in leftovers. You can put it with turkey in a sandwich, and it's like Thanksgiving in a sandwich. I mean, have I sold this recipe enough yet? (laughs) (laughs) You just got to be ready to put in a little time. It's a little time and effort, but it's one of those that's actually really, really worth it. I want to talk about Cajun food for a second. And your father's from Louisiana, as you said, and Mm -hmm. I'm told that you're a big fan of Cajun cooking. I know you left when you were pretty young, but did you grow up with some kind of understanding of Cajun culture or with the love of Cajun food? Oh, my goodness. I love Cajun food so much. And in my opinion, of course, I'm a little biased. There's no one that makes it better than my dad. Cajun food to me is so flavorful. And I find that sometimes when I eat it in other places, people think it needs to be spicy. And I never grew up with it being spicy. It's just full of seasoning and flavor. My dad makes the most incredible crawfish etouffee, jambalaya, gumbo, so yummy. And on Christmas Day, we always eat a big seafood gumbo with homemade potato salad. And you put the Mm. potato salad right into the bowl of gumbo and rice. Delicious. The potato salad goes on down first. The gumbo goes on top. That's a very unique kind of Louisiana thing. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Usually we'll put the rice, then the gumbo on top, and then the potato salad kind of just like is on the side and sort of falls into the bowl. Oh, on the side. Okay. Yeah. You can eat it a little bit separate or it kind of starts to mix together and it adds a little creaminess to the gumbo and it is just divine. So do you still have family in Louisiana? I do. I have family in Louisiana. I have family in Mississippi, a family in Texas. So I do my best to make it down south as much as possible. And, you know, it's just such a huge part of who I am and my values and traditions that I consider myself a Southerner at heart, and I forever will be. So you became an actress at a very young age, and you basically grew up on the show Party of Five. Yeah. Did you have to lose your Southern accent to get that role or other roles? Did you have one? I had the thickest Southern accent. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I talked to anyone with a bit of a Southern accent. I instantly am like, I know, what are y'all doing? And it just like comes right back. I love a Southern accent. I find it so comforting and it's like such a nice way of speaking, I think. But when we moved to New York, 
I mean, you don't know you have an accent until you're surrounded by people who don't have an accent or people who have other types of accents. I remember being in public school and like, probably the first or second grade. And other kids would be like, why do you talk like that? I'm like, what are you talking about? And then once you hear it, you're like, oh, I have an accent. It's me. (laughs) And just being around other kids, I started acting professionally in New York at seven years old, doing other jobs and things. I slowly started to lose it. But it's something that is forever a part of me and it always comes back. It'll come right back. Yeah. So do you remember your audition for Party of Five and how you got that role? I do. I was 11 years old, and I auditioned on a tape with a casting director in New York that they were sending to the producers in California. And it was just any other audition. Did my audition and left. And then we got a call that they were interested and wanted to fly me out to test for it with the other cast members. And so we flew out, tested for that. And I think I had auditioned for some other things at the time as well. And on my last test at the network, they brought all of us in together, Nev Campbell and Matthew Fox and Scott Wolf. And they brought us on together and they set us down. We didn't know what was happening. And they looked at us and they said, you're our Salingers. I was like, wait, what? Like, (laughs) you know, I was a kid, you know, I was like, did we get the part? Does that mean we could celebrate? And they're like, yes. And we all got like all teary eyed and just jumped up and hugged each other and fell into this family hug and just the feeling I felt when we were all hugging in together, I knew that they were going to be a part of my family. And that group of people, it doesn't matter how much time passes because, you know, life happens and you get busy and you go in different directions. But we always manage to find each other. And whenever we see each other, it's like no time has passed. And I feel that way for the entire crew that worked on that show. You know, people don't realize that it was six years, 144 episodes. Each episode took seven days. It was like 15, 16 hour days. Mine weren't as long because I was a kid and there's laws about that. But I was with them for such pivotal years growing up, 11 to 17, that when I look back and think of my most poignant moments through my teenage years, it involves everyone there. So they just have such a special place in my heart. It really was your second family for a long time. Yeah, and they still are. And man, I I just love all of them. So... Lacey, one of your breakout roles was as a character on Mean Girls, which is about some girls in high school who are not nice. (laughs) And as the father of a high school girl, I'm familiar with this situation. So (laughs) you didn't really have a traditional high school experience, as you said. And for someone who's so identified with high school, do you ever feel like you missed out on that? I don't feel like I missed out in a way that I would want anything to be different because I love my life and I loved that I got to work at the time. It wasn't work to me. I truly enjoyed it. And my parents always did a very good job of making sure that I was having fun and I wasn't feeling too much pressure and that it wasn't too much and tried to give me as much balance as possible. But there were some things that I missed. Like I didn't have a prom. I didn't do some of those typical experiences. But I always hesitate to say that because I think people are going to take it as, oh, you have regrets or you feel deprived or something. It's like, no, no, no. I was doing what I loved, but I technically did miss out on something, sure. But the experience that I got in exchange for that was priceless, and I wouldn't change a thing. I'll be back with more from Lacey Chabert after the break. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Welcome back to Biscuits and Jam from Southern Living. I'm Sid Evans, and today I'm talking with the queen of Hallmark Christmas movies, Lacey Chabert. So you found Hallmark at an interesting time in your life, and you had finished Party of Five, and you get a role in this movie, Elevator Girl. Was that the first one? It was. You've done your research, Sid. So... Tell me about that experience, what that was like for you, that first Hallmark movie. I can remember exactly. I was at the Grove, which is a big outdoor shopping center here in Los Angeles, and my manager called and said, hey, you have an offer in a movie called Elevator Girl. I was like, I'm going to go home and read it. And I literally remember driving home and excited to read this this project, and I loved it. I was like, this is so sweet. And, you know, I was very familiar with the Hallmark brand, but at the time they weren't making but a handful of movies every year and did the movie and had a great experience with it. And then I did a Christmas one for them, I think the following year called Matchmaker Santa, another great experience. And in the next year or so, I started working more for them and they started producing more movies. And I found myself suddenly a part of the Hallmark family. And here I am now having just completed my 33rd film for them. Wow. It's wild. It's not something that I ever could have seen coming, you know, that I'd end up doing this body of work with Hallmark, but I'm really proud of it. All the different experiences I've had in this business have been a blessing in different ways, but there is something special about being a part of something that just makes people feel good. Our job is to hopefully create some joy and some hope. And I try to create characters that people can see themselves in and that they want to invest two hours in going on the journey with us. I've enjoyed it so much. So you're known as the queen of Hallmark Christmas movies. You just finished your 33rd one. What is the recipe for a great one? Oh, my goodness. Well, I think with the Christmas ones, I am very sentimental and nostalgic. So I think there's always got to be something that I connect to that's close to my heart in it, you know, even if it's just a small thing. So I think there's always got to be something that can be touching or moving whether it be in the characters celebrating certain traditions that bring back memories. I love a fun baking scene that ends up in (laughs) us dancing around the kitchen. I think that's always fun. The tree trimming, the snowball fight's always a popular one. Haul Out the Holly is a really funny Christmas movie. I hope people really enjoyed that. And 
It was the first time I had done a movie for Christmas with Hallmark that was a straight up comedy. Honestly, the challenge on this job was not laughing on camera when my character wasn't supposed to be laughing. (laughs) Everyone is so funny in this movie. I was surrounded by the most talented people. I learned so much. The improving Melissa and Steven and Wes and I mean, everybody in the cast, I just really looked up to and admired. And we had so much fun. And I think that comes through the screen. I hope the audience feels that. I think it does. I think you can tell that everyone's having a good time. Yeah. It really does translate. Yeah. I think when you're having fun, it's infectious. And, you know, our job is to hopefully create something that brings some joy to people's living rooms. There's so much out there these days. So when someone chooses to sit down and watch one of my movies, I feel really honored. And I I do my absolute best to bring the best that we can. So you've made them all over the world. You've made them in Rome, in South Africa, London. But last year, or maybe it was two years ago, you made one called Sweet Carolina. That one was one that was incredibly close to my heart. I've been producing the movies for a while, but it was one of the first times I had been involved in creating the story. And I wanted to tell a story that was a bit deeper. And in the film, my sister suddenly passes away and my character finds out to her surprise that she's the guardian of her children. And I wanted a fish out of water story, something that takes a character back home. And so I was really passionate about telling that story. I didn't know that a few months after that, I would end up walking through a similar situation and losing my sister unexpectedly. That was incredibly, obviously incredibly hard. Um, But it was just one of those moments where you realize that art sometimes does imitate life. And we tell stories that are true to the heart. And sometimes you find yourself walking through those stories. Lacey, as someone who has celebrated the holidays for as long as you have and as close as your family is, I'm sure that the loss of your sister has made the holidays very difficult for you. And as someone who has brought so much joy to people over the years, I'm wondering if you felt supported by the community and all those fans when you really needed it. Oh, my goodness. Um Yeah, sorry. I'm going to try to talk about this without crying. But obviously losing my sister completely broke my heart. And I'm still reeling from it because she's such a huge part of my life. And she was one of those first phone calls for everything. And it's just so hard to grapple with a sudden loss, especially. I just miss her so much in everything. But I have to tell you, the amount of love and support that my family, my entire family, received during that time There aren't enough words to express my gratitude for it. It touched my heart in a way I didn't even know my heart could be touched by perfect strangers. And the holidays were incredibly hard. And every first without her is just heartbreaking. I hope it'll get easier. I I don't know. Grief is a real journey. There's been days where it's unbearable. And then there's days where you're okay. And it takes you by surprise sometimes. But the thing I hold on to the most is obviously our faith. And just knowing that my sister, man, she spread joy. And I think of that as my purpose in life now, to spread joy to everyone around me. I hope that I spread that joy with my job and my movies and anything that I create. And we just hold on to the memories and we talk about her all the time. And I talk to my daughter about her so much. And you just put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And I'm sure she was one of your biggest fans. She really was. You know, my daughter corrects me when I speak about her in past tense. She goes, we were watching a movie. I said, oh, this was one of Aunt Wendy's favorite movies. And she goes, no, mom, it's still one of her favorite movies. She's just up in heaven now. Hmm. I think that's so beautiful. The love that we shared was 
true and it was powerful and it doesn't just go away when someone's not here with us anymore. I want to ask you about your daughter, Julia, who must be about six now. She just turned six. Yeah. So she is obviously very astute and (laughs) she is at prime Santa Claus age. Yes. Tell me about some of the traditions that you've started with her around the holidays. Oh, my goodness. First of all, we have these little elves that come visit us. And our elf (laughs) on the shelf, right, we couldn't find him last year. And we were like, Elfie, where did you go? So we asked Santa for another one because I was worried we couldn't find Elfie. And the second we got another elf, Elfie showed back up. (laughs) So now we have two elves, Elfie and Lulu. And they create all kinds of messes for us. And they have so much fun a couple weeks before the holidays. And it's my favorite thing ever. We bake cookies for Santa Claus the night before, you know, on Christmas Eve. We make sure to leave some treats out for the reindeer. The thing I love about it is I get so excited and so joyful because I get to relive my childhood through her. And then I get to see the magic of it in her. And it's just, oh, it's my favorite thing. Do those elves move every day? Because they can get very tired. Sid, our elves don't just move, okay? (laughs) They do stuff. They create things. And the problem is they really went big right out of the gate. You know, we had like a hot air balloon. They were riding in it down the stairway all the way connected to the tree. And then they made a whole Christmas cookie factory. And then after a couple of days, our elves got really tired. (laughs) I think they forgot to do some stuff a few times. And I was like, you know what? They're tired. They aim too high to start with. (laughs) Yeah, once they set that bar, it's really hard to go back. (laughs) That's right. So sometimes they just slept. Sometimes they just moved. Sometimes they did nothing at all, and we accept them for where they are. (laughs) Well, I'm glad to be past the elf stage, actually, (laughs) but I miss it too. So, Lacey, I've read that you used to play the violin or the viola. Is that right? I did. I actually played the violin before Party of Five, but I was a beginner. I really wasn't that great. And then my character was supposed to be this prodigy violinist. And so I had to learn how to fake playing. So I would play on a silent violin. They put the music in later and I'd spend all of this time learning these pieces and how to fake playing. And so I kind of lost the motivation to learn how to really play in real life. And it's one of my regrets. I really wish I hadn't stopped playing because I loved it so much. And I think over the years, I just felt too intimidated to start again. But it's something you'll have to hold me to this. I've always said at some point in my life, I'm going to pick it back up again because I love music. I grew up singing, singing in church, then doing Broadway, dancing a little bit. I was never a good dancer, but (laughs) I've definitely done that in my career here and there. Danced in Christmas waltz. That was really fun. So music, it's a part of my job and it's just close to my heart. So it's something that I think I'll maybe pick up one day. Is your daughter into music? She is. She loves to sing. We're always playing music and singing in the kitchen. And she loves to put on music and dance around. And I was thinking about starting her on piano lessons. I think you should. (laughs) Yeah, I think I should. My, My mom taught piano growing up. So I can always remember that after school, she'd have her piano students over. And I love the piano. Need to complete that circle. That's right. So talk to me about Christmas albums for a second. What are your favorites? Do you like old school, kind of traditional, country, Motown? What do you listen to? I love all Christmas music. I know you're surprised to hear that, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Everyone's like, do you really like Christmas as much? Are you faking? Is this real? I'm like, yes, I really do. I'm a Christmas fanatic. I have a heart for Christmas. I love all the old school stuff. Obviously, I like Bing Crosby and like I love Michael Buble's Christmas music. I love Kelly Clarkson. Gwen Stefani has some great Christmas music. Trisha Yearwood. So I'm all over the map. I love all Christmas music. When it comes to movies, what is your Desert Island Christmas movie? And it can't be a Hallmark movie. Something <laughs> something not Hallmark. The one movie that you could watch over and over again. Christmas Vacation. Mm. Christmas Vacation. We watched that so much growing up. And I just think it's hilarious and so relatable. And But it's hard to pick one. I also would pick Christmas with the Cranks. I love that movie as well. And I've seen that one a million times. Yeah. But then there's also the Santa Claus movies and, you know, Miracle on 34th Street. There's just so many good ones. Hard to do without Elf, too. Oh, Elf. How could I forget Elf? <laughs> we literally just watched Elf two weeks ago. <laughs> I love Elf. So funny. So funny. <laughs> so, Lacey, I just have one more question for you. What does it mean to you to be Southern? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> too many things. <laughs> To me, to be Southern means knowing who you are, knowing where you place your values. And to me, being Southern is always with family, surrounded by a delicious meal that you may or may not have made from scratch, and it doesn't even matter. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> doesn't matter. Amen. <laughs> well, Lacey Shabaris, thanks so much for being on Biscuits and Jam. Oh my gosh, I enjoyed talking to you so much. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Lacey Chabert. Southern Living is based in Birmingham, Alabama. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And we'd love your feedback. If you could rate this podcast and leave us a review, we'd really appreciate it. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuitsandjam. I hope you'll join us next week for my interview with Chris Stone Kingfish Ingram the Grammy Award-winning blues artist from Clarksdale, Mississippi. We'll see you then.